Hey, once again, welcome to Res Life Sunday evening service. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. If you don't know me, I'm Nick Mayo. I have the pleasure of serving as the ministry director for our discipleship program here at Res. Uh, we do a program for 18 to 25-year-olds, and we just had actually 15 students graduate from their nine-month program just recently. So super proud of them, and that is who I am. Uh, tonight, I, I have the pleasure of bringing a message that has been burning on my heart for quite some time. Uh, and something that I, I've seen actually do a, a giant transformational work in my own life, and I, I hope that it serves you just the same. Before I go into it, let's, uh, let's just pray over the message, and uh, we'll dive in. And Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you. God, we thank you for uh, just the ability to be able to do church online. God, we thank you for the, the many, many things you are doing within our world, within our lives. God, we, we choose to focus on your blessings God, we choose to focus on, on the good news of the gospel, that Jesus, you are king, and that you are ruling and reigning, and you are at work in every, every sphere of influence in every area of the world. And God, we just, uh, we recognize that. Father, I, I pray over this message tonight, God, that it would go forward to, to bless individuals. God, I pray that my words would fall aside, and that really it would just be your truth that remains. God, that your truth that would stick with individuals as they, they hear this, as they watch this, as they come back and rewatch or, or stumble upon it later in the future. God, I just pray that you would do a, a great work in and through this message. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm going to just kick off into this and uh, really just talk about how transformation happens. And this has been a, a big journey for me over, over the years of both in ministry and teaching and equipping, but then also just my personal walk with the Lord of trying to figure out what does it actually look like to have transformation happen in my life. Christ promised us so much within his death, burial, and resurrection, and then in the sending of the Holy Spirit. So how does that actually take place in our life, through our life? And I, I really want to bring just what I think is, is kind of a foundation for us to build upon for discipleship, for personal formation, and in these transformation areas of our life. We've all heard the, the aspect of sinning is falling short uh, or missing the mark, right? I've missed the mark. You've missed the mark. We've all missed the mark and fallen short of the glory of God. Isn't that what Paul tells us in Romans 3? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when we, when we take that aspect of missing the mark, uh, typically when we miss the mark, there comes to be uh, an after effect. We have to do something next and, and we re-aim, right? In order to try and hit the mark, we have to re-aim. But how do we typically re-aim? If you're anything like me, over the past, uh, I would fall short in an area of my life, and then I would start to try really hard to not fall short in that area again. And my re-aiming tended to be a lot of behavior. I tried to do something or, or not do something, and I really tried to re-aim through my effort. And I think about it in this way, uh, if you've ever been golfing, a couple years back, I got invited to golfing, and I don't golf very often. Uh, but when I got invited, we, we started into the game, and it was uh, three of my close friends, and we're out there on the course. And I started off, and the first hit, right, teeing off from uh, the hole one, and my first hit was actually pretty decent. I was actually kind of happy with it. 
But we started to get to the second and third hole, and my teeing off started to go downhill. And, and after that, I just started focusing on it and focusing on it and focusing on it and trying to apply more effort and trying to get more ump into my, my teeing off. And from there, the ball just started going off into the woods. And <laughs> eventually, by you know hole six or seven, it was no longer a game of golf, but it was actually kind of a safari excursion out into the woods. And I was doing more weed whacking than I was actually playing. By the time I hit the, the last hole, I just wanted to give up. I didn't even want to play anymore. I wasn't having fun. There was no joy in everything. And, and I just started finding myself, the more I applied myself, the more I applied my effort, the more I actually started to miss the mark. And I think the same thing goes for our Christian walk. We end up burning ourselves out and eventually we give up until maybe we feel bad enough to start working really hard again. And if, if you think about your life, you may have found that you're in kind of a cycle like that. I know that I was in a cycle like that for a long time and my, my years in ministry has shown me that this isn't an uncommon thing. Actually, pretty much everybody I've sat down with has gone through this type of cycle to where we want to change, but the things we're trying to do to change aren't actually changing anything. And the more effort we're applying is actually the more we're finding that we aren't actually experiencing the change that we want to, at least not for an extended period of time. We may be able to, with behavior, change for a short period of time, but uh, again, from my own life experience, I've seen that eventually the, the change ceases. So it's a vicious cycle, and, and the issue for so many of us is not for a lack of trying, but instead the issue is with what we are aiming with and what we are aiming for. If we take that idea of sin and we go, okay, sin is, is missing the mark, then have we sat down and actually asked ourselves the question, well, what should I be aiming in my life? Because there's a part of that on my plate, right? If I'm missing the mark, that means that my aim was off. So what should we be aiming in life? And then the second question we have to ask ourselves is, what's the mark that we're aiming for? So what should I be aiming in my life? And I'll give you a hint. I was just sharing it a second ago. It's not our behavior. My, my behavior isn't the thing that I'm aiming. And then what's the mark that we're aiming at? I'll also give you another hint. It's not good behavior. Good behavior isn't, isn't a bad thing. Obviously, much of Scripture talks about it. Paul tells us that we shouldn't be weary in doing what is right, in doing what is good. But at the same time, behavior is ultimately a symptom, and not a solution. Behavior is something that, that pours out of something going on inside of us. It pours out of who we are versus something that we get to force. And if we think about behavior in that way as a symptom, then we actually go, okay, then what's at the root? What's at the cause? So here's my, my entire message in a nutshell. I know we're only a couple minutes in, but I'm going to give you the entire message in a nutshell. If you can remember these two things, you'll be on track for the rest of my message. First is we don't aim our behavior, but instead we aim our hearts and our minds. So instead of aiming our behavior, we aim our hearts and our minds. We're going to talk about that tonight. And then the second is the target we're aiming at is not good behavior, but is instead his kingdom, God's kingdom in Christ's righteousness. 
That's the mark. That's the goal. That's what we're aiming at. And we're aiming our hearts and our minds towards that one goal. And for some of us, that's already a big eye-opening moment. <laughs> Go, man, I, this is the awakening moment for me when I realize, man, so much of what I'm doing is focused on behavior that I completely lost track of what I was setting my mind to and what I was setting my heart to. And then when I recalibrated and found the, the goal and said, okay, Jesus tells us, Paul tells us, it's all throughout Scripture that our goal that we're aiming for is the kingdom of heaven and then Christ's righteousness, all of a sudden it, it gave me much more to work with. I was able to start seeing change and transformation happen in my life, and I'm by no means perfect, and I'm still on a journey through this. But at the same time, I've watched this whole process at work in my life and God's grace moving through this process in my life. This is my bold claim for this evening. If you would take this message and if you would apply it to your life, I promise you that it will actually transform your life. Now, you might be saying, Nick, that's, a, that's kind of an arrogant thing to say. It's not about my message. I'm not building faith in, in me or even my delivery of words to you. But I do have faith in God's eternal word and in his working grace at work in our life, doing a transformation in our life. So let me back this up with some scripture, and then we're going to dive into this. And, uh, and I hope over the next 30 minutes, really break down some, some large concepts, but hopefully at the same time, simple concepts for us to start chewing on. So Romans 12, 1 through 2, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, this, this scripture is very, very familiar, and, and I'm going to break it down hopefully in a way that might allow us to see it through some new lenses, but this part is what I want to focus on. He continues on to say, do not be conformed to this world. I could already hear some of you guys repeating this at home. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewings of our mind, or by the renewing of our mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's so, so crucial that we grab onto this point because I, I think that this is a good foundation for us to, to just watch transformation happen in our life. Now, I'm no Rick Renner, <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do some word studies tonight. And, and one of the reasons why I personally like diving into some of the original Greek and Hebrew words of Scripture is it removes it out of my language. And when I'm talking in my language, I could have some preconceived assumptions of what a word actually means. But when I break out a, a crazy Greek word, all of a sudden I have to sit there and go, mm, what does that mean? What is that saying to me? So a couple words within this scripture, and then we're going to jump over to Colossians here in a second. The first is, do not be conformed. That word conformed there is syskematezo. Siskamatezo, and I might be butchering some of these, but just work with me. Siskamatezo, do not be conformed. Do not be siskamatezoed to this world. Siskamatezo, you can almost hear it in it. It almost sounds like systematize or systems. It's meaning don't be influenced by the systems of this world. 
And how many of us from birth have had the systems of this world so worked and ingrained into our systems that we don't even realize that sometimes we move from the systems of the world. Do not be systematoed to the world. This means to conform one mind, one's mind to the character or, or to conform one's mind and character to another's pattern. So he's saying, Paul's going, don't allow your character, don't allow your mind, your thoughts to be conformed or, or, or influenced by the thought patterns and characters of the world around you. And instead he says, but be transformed. The word there is metamorpho. This is also the same word that's used for transfigured. So when we see the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus goes up, he brings Peter, James, and John up with him and they see that the heavens are rend and he just gets transfigured in front of them. He starts shining brighter than the sun. Just picture that for a second. And Paul's using that same word here, metamorpho, transfigured in our language or for us. And he's going, don't be systematized by the world, allowing the world's influence to come upon our minds, but instead be transformed, bright and shining like Christ himself on the Mount of Transfiguration, by the, the next word is, anakinosis, by the anakinosis of your minds, by the renewing of your minds. So once again, it's syskematezo, which is the conformed, conformed to the world, the systems of the world, then it's transformed, metamorpho. The, you could already hear in that metamorphosis, right? You see the metamorphosis of different objects and as they transform into a newness. And then the renewing, the anakinesosis. <laughs> these words get a little interesting. But like I said, I, I like using these because they force us to go, what does that actually mean? And the anakinosis is actually a, a complete overhaul, a complete renovation. My wife and I are currently looking for houses and we're going through different houses and we've been watching a lot of HGTV and we kind of walk into these, these homes and we go, oh, okay, we might have to actually anakinosis this room. This, this kitchen might actually have to be changed, completely renovated because it's just not gonna suit the atmosphere that we're looking for. And it's the same kind of thing that Paul's saying, that when we're renovated within our minds. He's saying your mind has to completely change because you have been conformed so much to the mind and standards and systems of this world. But when your mind is transformed, you will actually have the newness of life, the transformation of life, the metamorpho of life. And, and Hopefully this is going to make more sense as we look over at Colossians because one of the beautiful things that I love that Paul does throughout his different epistles or his different letters is he, he continues to break down theme after theme after theme over and over and over again. So we actually get to see this at play in some other areas of Paul's writings. So if I could paraphrase this, Paul is telling us that in renovating and overhauling our mind, the way we think and perceive things, we will actually experience a glorious transformation in our life, the way that we act and interact with reality. So Proverbs tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And realize, he says, as a man thinks in his heart, it's not his mind. We will move in the directions of our heart's orientation. 
We're going to move in the direction of our heart's orientation. Whichever direction our heart is pointed, that's the way that we're going to move. As a man thinks in his heart, as he longs in his heart, as he desires in his heart, as he reasons in his heart, so is he. So it's from the the depths of our heart that our life actually comes. Proverbs also tells us that, and we'll cover that here in a second. Another way of saying this is the direction of our heart is set or the direction that our heart is set will set the direction of our life. And we see this concept all throughout Scripture. Moses is one of my all-time favorite just persons in the Bible, and I love going through Moses' story. He has so many cool God moments. And one of my favorite moments is he's walking in Exodus 3. He's walking through the desert, and all of a sudden he looks over, and he sees a bush that's burning, but it's not consuming. There's a supernatural presence of the Lord just on the bush. I don't even know how to describe it. I've never seen that in my life. That would be incredible. Um, but there's a, a little nuance that I absolutely love in the story of Exodus 3 in that story of Moses walking by the bush. Because he's actually, he's on the trajectory towards some place and then he perceives that there's something going on over here. And we could see that the something going on over here Uh, is a a move of God on the natural realm. So there's the supernatural that's meeting with the natural. And it says that Moses stopped and then he turned to see what was going on. He turned to behold the bush that was burning. And it's actually interesting if we look at, at what it says right after that. It says, the angel of the Lord was there. And when the angel of the Lord seen that Moses had turned... That's when the angel spoke to him. And it was in a, a posture and a, a turning, a positioning of his heart that God was able to actually speak to him because there was a desire to want to find out. And I, I think it's such a, a small little nuance that we can miss if we read through that so quickly. But at the same time, I, I see that, that rhythm throughout Scripture over and over and over again, especially within the language of Jesus and the language of Paul. So once again, we will move in the direction of our heart's orientation. Our heart, or another way of saying this, is our desires determine the direction of our lives. Perhaps we can paraphrase the proverb by saying, a man's desires, or as a man desires deeply, so he will follow. So as as we desire deeply, and we're going to talk about desires quite heavily tonight, as we desire deeply, our life starts to move in that direction. Jesus says in Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, but the evil person out of the treasure of their heart, the evil treasures of their heart produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks." And now Jesus is both talking about action and language right there. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says, a a man with a good heart, a good root system, a, a good tree in their core, a good desire system will produce good action, will produce good language. But a a man with an evil desire in his heart will actually produce poor language, evil language, and evil action. And again, we go back to the beginning to where I said, our behavior isn't the thing that we're aiming. Our behavior is the fruit at the end of a deep root system. And either we have good roots or we have evil roots. And and the, the brilliant news to this is Jesus paid for us to be transformed into a good root system, but it takes some uh, interaction between us and him on this, 
this area. Again, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but in Proverbs 4.23, uh, it says, keep your heart with all diligence or guard your heart above all else, another translation says, for out of it flows or springs the issue of life. So guard your heart, guard your desires, guard what's going on in the internal reality, both your thoughts, your desires, all these different areas. Guard these things, for from them come the issue of life. It's just restating or actually stating before Jesus stated in that Luke uh, 6.45 passage, what goes on when we have a good root system or a poor root system, there's an outflow that comes out of that, and that's the life. A mentor of mine and a man that I I love, Bobby Bogard, uh, says it this way, what is cherished at the core will be aimed at with the life. What's cherished at the core will be aimed at with the life. So our heart's desires determine the direction of our life, but our thoughts also play a crucial role in directing our desires. Our thoughts will direct our heart. This explains why, why Satan attacks so much in the mind, right? We, we call it the battlefield of the mind. Joseph Meyer calls it stinking thinking. But there's this war that's going on on the internal reality of our life to where Satan's trying to feed us lies because if he could get us focused on certain things with our mind, he could actually shape our hearts and then shape their direction of our life. We see this right at the the beginning in the garden. How did Satan attack Eve? He didn't come in and attack her. He didn't come in and just say, hey, go eat that fruit. No, he actually started to, to shape her direction, her actions by shaping her heart, by shaping her mind. He started planting in some lies and going, did God really say that you can't eat of that tree? That's why he's called the father of lies, because if he could get us feeding on, focused on, and mulling over, meditating on improper thought processes, Paul calls these strongholds of thought, every thought that raises itself up to the knowledge of God, uh, if he could get us focused on these things, it will actually start to descend down to our heart, I guess we could say. There's a a point to where when I mull something over, whether it's a lie or truth, if I mull it over long enough, it'll eventually start to shape the desires of my heart. And from there, if, if Satan could get to our mind, he can then get to our heart and then he can get to our actions because our actions will flow out of that place. Satan gains access and control of our heart by consistently attacking our thoughts and minds. Again, Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians uh, 10, that these are called strongholds of thought. And then he exhorts us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Take it and then bring it and submit it to Christ. And then he actually gives us a beautiful picture of what that could look like in Colossians 3. So I'm going to kind of transition over. So the first part is how uh, transformation happens, and it's by the renewing of our minds. But then we see how it's actually about the renewing of our hearts, but our minds are so important for that. So if we go to Colossians 3, 1 through 3, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. If, if any of us are here and we've, we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we have been raised with Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. So that means also that this is for every believer. Set your hearts 
on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Again, I'm, I'm going to go kind of Rick Renner on you. Uh, there's a, a few different words in here that we want to do a word study on. So being raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, and then set your minds on things above as well. That, that first area there, being raised with Christ, the raised there is synagario or synagario. Uh, and, and I, again, sometimes words just sound so similar and have very similar meanings. So if you think of synergy, a synergy is when two things come together and harmoniously work together to where they create an actually more powerful third thing that they wouldn't have been able to do by themselves. And there's a portion of that that I, I find within this word, synagario, which is to be raised up with Christ. And it means that now we have the power pack or the, the spirit of Christ dwelling in us. We're told that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now living in you and living in me. And when we, we read past that, we could go, oh, yeah, I'm raised with Christ. But there's so much packed into that word to where it's going, I'm not just raised with Christ. I'm raised with Christ with the newness of life, with the power and grace that comes along with that and actually makes everything else from here on forward possible. I have no ability in myself and you have no ability in yourself to change yourself. It's part of our issue is we try and do it on our own and on our own strength and we end up, again, burning ourselves out. But when we realize that we have the grace of God, the power of God and the Holy Spirit to partner with us, which is all wrapped into this word that's meaning the raised with Christness, then we can actually move forward experiencing the power of God to bring us, to pull us and to move us through these different levels of transformation. So if you've been raised with Christ, then set your hearts on things above. The word there, set your hearts, and other times it just says, seek the, the things above. But that word is zeteo. <laughs> this has been one of my all-time favorite words lately. It's a verb, and it means to like seek endlessly, to aim at. <laughs> it goes right back to the aim of our heart. Set your heart, seek these things, desire these things, set the aim of your heart at things above. The things above there is ano or eno, and it, it, it means heavenly things, eternal things. And we can think heavenly things, that means they're way off in the distance, they're way up there, or it's not until I die. But like Pastor Duane's been teaching us and leading us is Heaven is so accessible now. God's wanting to get heaven into us right now. And eternity, I love this phrase that John Ortberg uh, named his book after. Uh, eternity starts now, or eternity is now in session. So when we set our minds on things above or on heavenly things or on eternal things, it's not just the pie and sky way off in the distance someday. It's actually the, the things that are happening in the kingdom of God right now. And I remind you, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're surrounded by the heartbeat, the kingdom, the will and desire of God the Father. And he says to set our minds, to position our hearts, to aim our hearts at that thing. 
That word zeteo as well is actually the same word in Matthew 6.33 where Jesus again says, seek first. Zeteo, uh, I think it's proton, (laughs) it's the word there, but zeteo first, the kingdom of God in his righteousness. He's saying, aim your heart first and foremost. A lot of us have desire for the kingdom, but do we have first desire, core desire for the kingdom? Or is it a side desire, but our core desire is for success and influence and Instagram followers or that new car or all these different things, the person to like us. There's a lot of things that could fall within the zeteo of our heart, but is the kingdom actually the zeteo of our heart, the core desire of our heart? It says, seated on or. Uh, set your zeteo on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And then set your minds, or the, the word there is phroneo, set your minds on things above. He goes right back to the kingdom things, to the heavenly things, to the eternal things. So first he's telling us, hey, focus on your desire. And then in order to do that, He's building the process for us. Focus on your desire. And hey, in order to do that, now set your minds on things above. Think intently on the things above. Phroneo means to seek to have understanding, to direct one's mind towards a thing. So the last one is to aim our heart at a thing. This one's to direct our minds towards a thing and to strive for it. It also means to be of the same mind, agreed together, cherish the same views, or be harmonious. Kind of paints a picture of having the mind of Christ. When we actually set our minds on the things above and when we think intently about these things. Paul tells us in Philippians 4 uh, on how to do that. He says, so... Finally, brothers and sisters, this is 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He's given us the formula. He's going, think about all these things, the pure things, the true things, the noble things, the right things, the lovely things, and the admirable things. And Paul's saying, if you, if you focus on those things, The Holy Spirit will partner with you in that and start to do a transformational work in your life. There's that metanoia, or sorry, no, the the metamorpho. (laughs) Too many Greek words that I'm trying to throw out here. Metamorpho, that transfiguration, that transformation will happen in our life when we are setting our minds on things above. And this actually, I think this is why Jesus says that when we yoke ourselves up to him, his burden is easy and his, his, like, it's just light and it's easy because as we're moving forward, just thinking on these beautiful things, how easy is that? Well, it, it takes work. We have to replace old thoughts. But at the same time, when we start to go into that, over the years, I've, just, I've come to, to find that setting my mind, setting my heart on things above is the highlight of my day. It's where I find newness of life. It's where I find I'm replenished and and ready to go out into the world and just be the light of Christ for everyone. So zeteo, the position of our heart. Froneo, the position of our mind. We're setting these things on the eternal things. Colossians 3, he continues on and he says, Put to death, this is in 3, 5 through 10. Put to death, therefore, 
whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is all idolatry. He's saying, hey, these, these things, again, the, the ways that you have been conformed to the world, if we go back to Romans 12, the ways that you have been conformed to the world, to where the systems of the world had just been so ingrained into you without even realizing it, so massaged into the, the depths of your being, you have to crucify those things. You have to put to death those things. And I think sometimes when we hear the, the crucifying the flesh, again, that becomes another buzzword that we've heard so much. So I like to say it this way. We have to murder those things. The things in our life that, that are not desires towards the kingdom, they don't just naturally go away. We have to actually crucify them, murder them, mortify them, Paul's saying here. Because when we crucify those, we could actually raise with Christ Again, if we go back to, to 3, 1, and 2, he says, since then you have been raised with Christ. But then he caps that little section there with, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ. If we want to live the resurrection life, the empowered life, we also have to live the crucified life. We have to put off the old man, he says. We have to, to put off the old ways that we were thinking through that we were moving and operating through, that we were desiring, and then take on by thinking intently, by casting our heart towards the ways of the kingdom, and it does a mighty, mighty work in us. So again, he continues on in Colossians 3. He says, You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. How do we rid these things from our lips? We put them off and we replace those depths of our heart with thoughts and a, a heart aimed at Christ. This isn't, when, when Paul's talking about this, it's not like it's just happens. <laughs> this is a process that we go through to where day after day after day, God's grace and his Holy Spirit is moving with me to teach me, how do I crucify these things? How do I put off these things? And then he guides me and reminds me of all things that Christ has instructed us on, right? He says that the Holy Spirit will, will guide us and lead us into all truth. So he's, he's there to help us put off the old man, and then he's here to, there to help guide us towards the new man in thinking intently on the things of Christ in his kingdom. And, and it's not just a mind thing. There is obedience through that, but as we think intently, and I could speak from my own experience, as I've thought intently on who Christ is and what his kingdom is all about, the governance of his kingdom, the ways of his kingdom, and it's so much different than the ways of this world. Just look at the Beatitudes. When I've focused on these things, it has done a transformational work in my life. And then when he gives that call to take that step of obedience, whether it's renouncing a sin or whether it's making amends with somebody, it's that much easier to do. Jesus tells us that if you love me, you will keep my commands. There's two ways that we can hear that. We can hear that as we have to keep his commands in order to prove that we love him, or we can hear it from the desire standpoint, which I think is what he's meaning here. And he goes, if you love me, if your core desire is aimed towards me, then it will be no problem to keep my commands. 
When, when I love my wife to the core, when she asks me to do the dishes, it's, it's my joy to be able to serve her in that way because my, my heart's desire is for her goodness and the love of her. And it's the same thing with Christ, that when we set our affections on Christ, when we set our minds and hearts on Christ, the transformational, metamorpho work happens in our life towards that much easier in the future. Again, this is, this is a long-term process. This isn't just a one and done overnight. And then he continues on, and I'm going to close out here in a second. He says, do not lie to each other. This is again in Colossians 3. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. It's being renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator. Again, that word renewed right there is anakaneo, which when we go back to Colossians uh, no, sorry, Romans 12, is that anokinesosis, <laughs> it's the process there. We're right back to that renewing, that renovation of our mind. And it's being re- renovated by the image of the creator, by Jesus Christ and the picture of him. That's why I love going back to the gospel accounts of Jesus and just watching Jesus move through the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you, if you don't know where to start with this whole thing, you can start in either of the, the scriptures that we've talked about tonight or just go into the, the synoptic gospels and just look at the beautiful picture of Christ and just be, just be ravished by him because he is the most incredible person because he's God in flesh, the most incredible person to have ever walked the earth. And when we get a picture of that, we actually get a picture of ourselves. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that we all with unveiled face are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Hebrews 1.3 and a couple other areas tell us that the glory of the Lord is actually Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fullness of the glory of God. So when we're there beholding as in a mirror, it means actually we're, we're just gazing. Like if you were to ever, have you ever just sat and stared at the mirror. <laughs> maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I'll admit that I have in the past, right? Uh, and, and sometimes you don't even realize that you're doing it and you're just staring in the mirror. And it's saying the same exact thing, except for instead of looking at yourself, your reflection, you're actually looking at Christ. And then it says that we're being transformed or again transfigured. It's that same word, metamorpho, into his image and likeness from glory to glory. So when we look and we behold, and we, like Moses, turn our hearts to behold the glory of the Lord, Jesus Christ, as in a mirror, it's actually doing a work on the inside of us. And when Paul starts off in Romans 12 and tells us to submit ourselves as a holy sacrifice and our, our act of worship, it's actually in the act of worship, which is all of what this is, setting our minds, setting our hearts, and just setting our eyes on the Lord. That is an act of worship. We can do that through music. Music is a beautiful way because it puts the truths of God. When we go to the old hymns, lately I've just been, it goes so well with this message, turn your eyes upon Jesus, the old hymn, and and just the entire song there just does a work in me because it's so much truth about turning my eyes upon Jesus. The cares of the world will just disappear because I'm beholding his face, the glory in his face, and it's doing a work in me. 
And, and it's beautiful because once it's doing a work in me, now my root system is starting to become better. It's starting to become good. And from there, my behavior starts to change. Again, behavior's not, I mean, behavior is <laughs> a big thing, but it's not the thing. Behavior is the symptom that comes from the root. It's the fruit that's attached to the root. So the first point was we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. The second point was we need to set and aim our heart's desires, the zateo of our hearts. And the last point is we need to set the gaze of our eyes. I talked about it both at the end of that uh, Corinthians 3 passage that we went over and then also in that 2 Corinthians 3.18. But the things that we set our eyes upon really do play a large part in the things that we set our minds upon. And those, those you know, Netflix shows that we think are just easy entertainment, right? Oh, that's not doing anything in me. Honestly, when we gaze our eyes so long at something, it starts to transform our thoughts. And then when we're getting a transformed thoughts, it starts to transform the desires of our heart. And it makes us or brings us to a place where we understand that the gaze of our eye is just as important as the things that we set our minds on because the gaze of our eye actually directs our mind. So like I said earlier, behavior, it's not that behavior isn't a part of it. It's that it, or that it isn't important, but it always follows a renewed mind and flows from a transformed life. Much of the same way as poor behavior is the symptom of a misaligned heart, right behavior is the symptom of a focused heart aimed at the kingdom with thoughts set on eternal kingdom things and eyes fixated on beholding the Lord. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna close out here uh, and just recap just a, a real quick thing here. We haven't experienced lasting change mainly because our core desires haven't been transformed yet. Our core desires get transformed by the renewing or reshaping of our mind and thoughts, and our mind and thoughts are directed by the gaze of our eye. So the battlefield of the mind is so, so crucial, and I encourage you. I, I do a lot of teaching, so it's easy for me to give homework. I know you don't typically get homework from different messages, but I, I, I send you away if you would choose to do the homework. Over this next week, Think about what you can set your minds towards. That Philippians 4, 8, whatever's pure, true, noble, all these different things. Go and meditate on that this week and start setting your things on, or your mind on things above. And then I, I said at the beginning, there's a caveat that I wanted to say at the end. And I, I'll close out with this. The caveat is, it's a very simple message, but it's, it takes time and, and, and it actually is a little difficult at first. There's a lot of this of crucifying the flesh. The old desires in our life don't just naturally go away. We have to kill them. We have to murder them. So in this process, realize this is not a microwave one and done. You're done at the end of the day. This is a year after year after year journey. If you ask my wife, we've been married for six years now, she'll tell you I've come a long way. But if you also ask her, she'll tell you I have a long way to go. And, and there's a journey that goes on. Eugene Peterson, who, who wrote the, the message translation, has a, a book titled this, The Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And I think that's such a great way of saying this. This entire process is a long obedience in the same direction. We're gonna fall, 
we're going to falter. There's no shame in that. But we get back up and we replace the old thoughts with the new thoughts and we constantly set our minds, our gaze, and our hearts on the glory of God, his kingdom, and his righteousness, and it doesn't work in us. So Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Father, I thank you for just Holy Spirit, your guidance into all truths. Holy Spirit, that, that you do a mighty work in our life. Father, I thank you for your grace that empowers us to do this. Jesus, I thank you for your finished work on the cross that opens us up to be able to experience this transformed life, this newness of life, this resurrection life. And, and God, it's our joy to just set our minds on you. It's not just a morning thing. It's not just a Sunday thing. God, let us be like David who said he set you before his eyes, before his heart all the days of his life. So let us set you before us, God, and, and let your work and your beauty do a transformational work in us. So Father, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.